Hey everybody, you're listening to Orla's Happy Hormones podcast, talking all things female health and wellness. I'm Orla O'Flaherty, a certified naturopath and herbalist, and I'm here to talk about everything from periods, hormones, fertility, health, sex, energies, self-awareness, and just life in general. Here's to happy hormones and a happy you. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Orla's Happy Hormones Podcast and we're up to episode 41 which I'm really happy about and just bear in mind for this week's episode there may be some noise in the background there's lovely construction work going on outside and I don't think a bunch of construction workers really care about me recording a podcast so there's nothing I can do about it we'll just have to power through but this week I am talking about the pill and should you be on the pill? I wanted to do this episode for a while. I've talked about the pill and its effects before, but recently someone was asking me my views on the pill. And well, a lot of people ask my views on the pill on a weekly basis. But usually what I say in general is I'm never going to tell someone that they should or shouldn't be on the pill. That's it's their decision. And that's basically what this episode is about. It's it's your decision to be on the pill. It's your decision to be on any medication or to do anything in life. But for me, I'm of the mindset that make an informed decision. So this episode, it's probably going to be a bit of an annoying one for you. Some of you listening are possibly hoping to get the the yes or no answer from me of should you be on the pill, either yes or no. Well, really to put it out there early, and like I just said, the answer is I don't know. And yes, you heard me right. I don't know whether you should be on the pill or not. That is one of the most personal decisions a woman can make and at the end of the day it's your body and it's your choice regardless of what you hear or read or what you're told what I tell you what your doctor tells you what your friends or your mother or your sister tells you it it's your choice a choice only you can make for yourself what I do believe in though and this isn't just for the pill like I said it's for medications it's for everything in life with wellness whatever you're doing in life is that you have as much information as you can have so you can make an informed choice so you can make a a choice from a place of knowledge and not just blindly following what you're what you're told now i'm very much aware that people are on the pill for different reasons for health reasons for contraception whatever it is there are still things that you need to know about it about being on the pill so in this week's episode I'm going to be giving a rundown of how the female body and hormones work what chemical messages are being sent out and how our mind frames and our behaviour differ in our different stages of our ovulatory cycles and even how we attract certain partners between the likes of the first half of your cycle and the second half of your cycle I also want to talk about how the pill changes our behaviour and 
the many different side effects and how the pill masks health conditions it doesn't actually fix them or it, it's not that it's balancing your hormones it's it's just putting a steady flow of synthetic hormones into your body to suppress its own natural hormonal distribution and there goes the drilling again so I do apologize for this in this episode but what I, what I do want to go through is how your body and mind works differently when you are on the pill and as well as per usual I will also go into my own experiences insert no filter emoji here but look that's me I love a good relatable story even if it is just a story but to get cracking for the first part of telling you how the female body and hormones work I'm sorry but I do have to go into the science of it and I'll try to make it as painless as possible and as simple as possible to understand. The endocrine system, it, it's literally a minefield and it's a minefield to understand, but that's because research and studies, they still don't fully understand the endocrine system. It's a continuous work in progress. So I'm taking points from many different doctors' research and different books, um, all to come up with the simple, simplest explanation I can for you. But for anyone who does want to delve deeper into understanding the pill and how it works, I would definitely recommend uh, a book called How the Pill Changes Everything by Dr. Sarah E. Hills. And then another book called Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. I've talked about this before. It's by Dr. Christiane Northrup. Um, her book helps us to understand the or say our physical and emotional connections for women's health and it, it bridges the gap between mind and body it's a fascinating book but those two books I would definitely recommend for anyone who wants to delve deeper into finding out more about the female body female health and what it means for us as women when we're on the pill or on hormonal contraceptions but to start at the beginning what are hormones Hormones are chemical messages sent throughout the body from point A, so your glands, to point B, which are receptor cells, simply to stimulate a certain action in the body. Now, when it comes to the ovulatory cycle, I call it it the ovulatory cycle because that's actually what it is. It's not the menstrual cycle. Ovulation is the star of the show for female bodies, and it's basically what controls everything. But when it comes to this cycle we are looking at three specific glands we're looking at the hypothalamus the pituitary and our ovaries and this is known as the hpg axis so the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis it's basically it's basically a three-way whatsapp group between friends sending messages over and back to each other in a loop so it all starts with the hypothalamus like she's basically the queen bee Think of, <clears throat> think of Regina George from Mean Girls. Now, not the bitchy side, just what she says goes. She's the brains of the operation. Then there's the pituitary. Think of Gretchen. She works with, with Regina. They come up with plans together. Then there's the ovaries. Think of Karen. Now, not that they're naive and somewhat foolish, but that they do whatever it is the other two say. 
then Katie would be classed as like endocrine dis- disruptors because like she basically just comes in to fuck everything up but it's not her time to come in onto the story in this episode I'm just making reference just because so it's basically the hypothalamus and the pituitary are Regina and Gretchen they're working together to control the actions of the ovaries which is Karen and I'm hoping you're still with me here <laughs> so then the day the first day of your bleed is day one of your cycle this is when you get what's known as like the sex hormone crash. It's where your hypothalamus and your pituitary gets the signal that you're not pregnant. And then it gets a signal to start the whole process of egg maturation again. And this is where the WhatsApp messages come into play or as Dr. Sarah Hill puts it, when the game of Chinese whispers starts all over again. Now, when the hypothalamus gets the, the message to start the process again, it releases a hormone called gonadotropin releasing hormone so it's GnRH for short which is sent to the pituitary gland now when the pituitary gets this message it passes its own message to the ovaries so in other words it's releasing its own hormones of FSH and LH which are follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone now these two messages tell the ovaries to start maturing egg egg follicles which then causes estrogen to be released then after ovulation happens the ruptured egg follicle creates what's known as the corpus luteum which stimulates progesterone to be released now i know all the science it can become quite heady but why is it that you need to know all of this because simply put hormones control how we behave and they control how we react in all areas of life from our mood how we feel how we portray ourselves how we even perceive sexual and lifelong partners and how even how they perceive us it's this egg maturation and release process that controls us it's our hormones that make us who we are it's our hormones that are us So then now we have to look at the different stages of our cycle because of the hormones. So there are four, there are four different stages of a cycle. So you have menstruation, follicular, ovulation, and luteal. Technically, menstruation is actually part of the follicular stage, but it's in this phase, the follicular phase, where our estrogen starts to build again. And it's estrogen, now I have to say this when it's in the right amounts, when it's not excess estrogen, but the proper amount needed but it's estrogen that gives us those feelings of being productive of being outgoing you know feeling our most attractive and sexy like glowing skin and even heightened awareness of the attractiveness of the opposite sex it's in our follicular stage that we are looking for the optimum genetic partner to provide us with genetically strong offspring so clinical right (laughs) but that's basically it we as humans are designed to procreate for survival of the species but research trials on women in their fertile stages and non-fertile stages show that we choose two very very different types of men depending on whether we are in our follicular phase so our pre-ovulatory fertile phase or our luteal phase or post-ovulatory non-fertile phase when we're in the follicular phase we're most attracted to what's known as the typically sexy man 
the symmetrical, the chisel jaw, the hunter gatherer type. Like think of think of Jason Momoa. That is what we are drawn to in our fertile stage. The man who can provide genetically strong offspring who can survive. And again, this is all evolutionary. This is going back to prehistoric times. But our evolutionary minds and genetic codes haven't caught up with the times that we're in now. So these codes, or these are codes which have been passed down from our ancestors and they're in our DNA. So we're still looking for the genetically strong partner to give us genetically strong offspring. And then when we're, when we're in our luteal phase or a post-ovulatory non-fertile phase, we're actually more attracted to men who can provide for us and provide for our offspring. So men who can feed us, men who can protect us, men who can nurture our offspring. So really for the first half of the cycle, what we're looking for is a Cal Drogo and the second half is a Jon Snow. It's actually really funny. I remember being at a talk once and I was sitting there and I was extremely physically attracted to the speaker. Now, bear in mind, he had quite strong pheromones and I was sitting there and I was like, okay, pay attention. What is he saying? Cop on to yourself, Orla. You're here for a reason. Stop being distracted. Then it hit me. It hit me like a bus. I was right before ovulation. I was in my follicular fertile stage. And like I said, it hit me like a bus and it took everything for me not to burst out laughing in the middle of this room filled with people. But he would be your typical genetically strong match for offspring. Now, it wasn't the first time biology hit me, but it was the first time I had the mental awareness when it happened. And then... I went into analytical female mode and used it as like a personal scientific observational trial. I I spent the rest of the day looking at every man and seeing were they a genetic match, quote unquote. Now, bear in mind, I was in a relationship at the time, so this was strictly observational. I just want to add that. But it was fascinating to me. Because now now when I'm physically or sexually attracted to a man I'm like ooh where am I in my cycle what type of man is it that I'm looking for and it is it, it to me it's fascinating but I'm not sure if knowing all these things are good or bad for my curious mind because you can get lost going down that rabbit hole sometimes you just have to let go and trust the process but that's what happens when we're in the first half of our cycle when we're in our fertile stage we are unconsciously chemically hormonally searching for someone who will give us strong offspring and then in the second half of our phase so once ovulation has happened and 12 to 48 hours later you're no longer fertile you're into your second half of your cycle you're into your luteal phase what happens is we start to become more reflective. So the first half we're outgoing, full of confidence, all that. Second half, we're more reflective, we're more introverted. We aren't at our most attractive. 
and even men don't find us as attractive and this was shown in numerous studies of men smelling t-shirts or smelling swabs from armpits or the vulvas of women in their fertile time and non-fertile times and lo and behold women in their luteal phase were less attractive to men but look don't get me wrong here like this isn't all about how attractive we are to men it's it's really about evolution evolutionary and procreative purposes and how our hormones literally work to keep the species alive but it's how our hormones are working in our everyday lives and how they control what we choose what we decide to do or how we behave so when we're in our luteal phase or the second half of our of our cycle progesterone is on the rise and that's to create an optimal environment for implantation of the embryo and support early stages of pregnancy. But it's in this phase where our energy and our libido drops, our appetite increases because estrogen is a natural appetite suppressant. And it's when our mood becomes most unstable. And it's in this time when we retain more water or and we become just more fatigued and need need more sleep like we need an extra 30 to 60 minutes of sleep for optimum brain function in our luteal phase women actually need an extra 30 minutes of sleep than men in general but during the luteal phase an extra 30 to 60 minutes the time has passed this is when in our second phase this is when the time has passed for being fertilized and it's like a big stop sign for anything other than me time and it's this phase, it's the luteal phase that's been mimicked by the pill. So what is the pill or any form of hormonal contraception? It's the act of introducing synthetic hormones into the body to suppress the hypothalamic and pituitary messages to stop the release of follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone to prevent ovulation. So no ovulation equals no baby. It's the synthetic chemicals of progesterone which are pushing us into that luteal phase. So think of how you feel right before your period. It's that that's been mimicked now for women who aren't on the pill. Think of that phase for then other women who are on the pill. They're in a constant stage of that luteal phase. And it's all done to prevent ovulation. No ovulation equals no baby. Yay for the women who don't want to conceive just yet or who don't want to conceive at all. Now what I will say now is birth control, it it did revolutionise body autonomy. It gave women back the power over their own bodies. It gave them the choice to decide whether or not they wanted to get pregnant. It gave women a choice, simply. And in that brings so much freedom. Like women are no longer in fear of consequences due to wanting sexual pleasure or in a lot of cases back in the day, fear of the consequences of their husband's primal needs. I'm not gonna get into spousal rape right now, but women were given control over the consequences of these actions of their partners. The pill was the start of the feminist, now maybe not the start, but it was a huge push for the feminist age, for the everyday woman. And I am all for that. I'm all for women being empowered in their own bodies. 
but what I'm not for is the effects the pill has on the body as a whole and ha- the effects it has on women as a whole. It stops ovulation and prevents pregnancy. But that's not all it does. The way I think of it is, think of weight loss or fat loss. You can't spot reduce in any one area. It has a total systemic effect. It's the same as the pill. It doesn't just have that one action of preventing ovulation. Because when you prevent ovulation, you have a direct effect on all other systems from digestion, your nervous system, your musculoskeletal system, your immune system, your stress response, your neurological function, and so on and so on. And why? Because hypothalamic and pituitary functions are being suppressed. Your brain's natural actions are being suppressed. It's our brain that controls us. All endocrine glands are connected. They're all messengers sending different signals to each other. And it's it's done for homeostasis. It's done to keep the body in balance. So like you're you're looking at the hypothalamus, you're looking at the pituitary, the ovaries, the adrenals, the thyroid, the pancreas. Every system in the body is affected. But we're not just looking at the suppression of endocrine function. We're also looking at the synthetic hormones that are being put into our bodies. So with the combination pill or combination contraceptives, estrogen and progesterone, what you're being given is low doses of estradiol and progestin. Estradiol is a synthetic version of estrogen, but it's made from estrogen and it binds solely to estrogen receptors. But then progestin is a synthetic version of progesterone, which is actually derived from testosterone or synthesized from testosterone. The problem here is that because there is a compatible molecular makeup for testosterone receptors, we're actually seeing high levels of side effects relating to masculization in men, or not in men, in women. So masculinization of women is basically the likes of excess body hair, skin breakouts, weight gain, all those lovely side effects that women get on certain pills it's because of the androgens that are being used to produce progestin now there are four types of synthetic progesterone in in the pills so three of them are synthesized from testosterone but one of them is from a diuretic so that one has the least amount of masculizing side effects but then unfortunately it does have excuse me unfortunately it does have a reputation for dropping your libido into the ground and then making you feel a lot more lethargic and loss of concentration or cognitive clarity or cognitive function like that foggy brain and then because there is the domino effect on the hormones there's a whole other range of side effects as well so again the likes of and this is with all pills the likes of lethargy, headaches, increased blood pressure, deep vein thrombosis, acne, mood disorders, depression, psychosis even, blood clots, nausea, breast tenderness, weight gain, fluid retention, systemic candida, and then an increased risk of breast, cervical and ovary cancers. The list goes on when it comes to the side effects of the pill. So like I said, I'm all for women being able to take control over their bodies. 
but why does there have to be so many side effects? And why does it have to be so normal to have these side effects? Personally, I think that there that's a huge question around the patriarchy. Now, I've often spoke before how I'm not a feminist, I'm an equalist, and I am an equalist. But there still is a gap. Even to this day, there's a huge gap in research trials for women's health. Like for most physiological studies are actually for most like nutritional studies or medical studies, the main participant participants are actually male. Like, did you know when it comes to different diets, like the keto diet, uh, even intermittent fasting, but for now, the keto diet, the trials were only done on males and on postmenopausal women. It wasn't done on women who ovulate. So we don't actually know the effects of keto diets on reproductive women because they weren't studied. And it's the same with intermittent fasting and other other nutritional studies. The reproductive woman hasn't been studied in a lot of these trials. So we don't know how they actually react for reproductive women. But I'm getting off topic here. That's that's another podcast. <laughs> so going back to the pill, like I'm very much aware that many women are put on the pill for medical conditions. I was. I was put on it when I was 15 for medical conditions, purely to quote unquote regulate my hormones and stop the progression of scarring and ovarian cysts. Now did it stop the progression? Yeah, because I wasn't ovulating anymore. But it didn't balance my hormones. It just put synthetic hormones into my system to suppress my hypothalamic and pituitary functions. It didn't fix the underlying problem. It stalled it, but it didn't fix it. Now, I realized this long before coming off the pill, but I was in fear of my periods and going back to a life of crippling pain that I didn't want to come off the pill. But I was very much aware that my medical conditions were not being fixed by being on the pill. They were just being masked because my brain function was being suppressed. But then one day it hit me. I was around 23 or 24. I was driving down a country lane and it all came together. It all just light bulb moment. <laughs> my aha moment was I wasn't me. The previous weekend I'd had a really scary experience because my pill was changed and I went into a really dark place and was wanting to jump off a bridge and this all happened within three days of changing my pill and once I went back to the old one I was fine again and I was like how is this even possible for such drastic changes in my mental health over the space of a week. And look, there are countless stories like this because different chemicals react differently with different people. I always say it, everybody's body is different and it reacts differently to different chemical messengers. That is fact. There are so many different types of pills or contraceptions out there and they're made up of different synthetic estradiol and progestin and not all of them are going to actually match you. They're not going to match the chemical makeup in your brain. So knowing even that is giving you power for if you want to stay on the pill, researching the different types of pills 
seeing what works best for you and talking to your doctor and working with your doctor on which pill is going to suit you best, which progestin is going to suit you best. Because if you're going to get side effects, you might as well have some control over what side effects you're going to get. You might as well have some control over what you're putting into your body because it's your body. But anyway, for me, like I got this light bulb moment of the pill is stopping me from being me. I don't know who I am. I was on it from 15. I was now 23 or 24, I can't remember. But if I had such a strong reaction to changing the pill, what was it actually doing to me? Who was it making me be? Was it the pill that had me making all my decisions? Was it the pill that had me where I was? So I decided to come off it. Now, bear in mind, I grew up in a household that was always using complementary medicine. I'd been using homeopathy for over 10 years at this stage. So I knew I needed help with coming off of it. I knew that it wasn't going to be an easy task. Not that it wasn't going to be easy, but that I was messing with the chemicals in my brain from being on it then to coming off it. So I needed support. One, to balance my hormones, but two, to support my mind. I was scared of where my mind could go like with such big chemical changes but I was scared of my periods as well so I used homeopathy I used herbs and I used nutrition all to support my entire system and then like that I woke up everything started to become clearer now this is just for me this is my experience but my life shifted it was within six months of that I decided what path I wanted to go down with studying complementary medicine. I finally made the choice of what to do. I decided on herbal medicine. But I found that a lot of my choices in all areas of my life were starting to change. They were starting to become much clearer. I was able to make a decision. Before I used to have a real foggy brain and I couldn't make up my mind around anything. I was very indecisive. But a lot of things changed like even my appetite like my taste buds my my awareness to everything like I it was with coming off it and waking up that I started going deeper into my own personal journey and even the men I was attracted to changed like I no long, longer have a type like I used to have a type but I don't anymore well um, I suppose I do depending on what phase I'm in <laughs> But it's no longer pigeonholed. Do you know, I'm open-minded now. Not open-minded, but I'm I'm open to all possibilities. But again, the question over what part of my cycle am I on? Am I looking for the genetic strong offspring or am I looking for the nurturer? But even that alone is fascinating to know that my hormones are looking out for my unborn offspring and me for the future. But what I'm saying is now like coming off the pill 
and not being on the pill, I'm now running off my own chemical messengers, not synthetic ones. I'm running off my own brain. I'm running off my own choices. And for me, I'm happy this way. But like I said, that's me. In the beginning, I said, should you come off the pill? And I also said, I don't know. And I don't know because I don't know your circumstances. There are women out there who all they have to do is look at their partner and they're pregnant. So for you, staying on the pill, it's probably your best bet. There are other women who just want the safety net and that's cool too. You deserve to have sexual pleasure without fear of becoming pregnant if it's not your time. Then there are women on the pill for medical conditions or painful periods, like me, back in the day. Now knowing that the pill doesn't actually fix the problem, it only masks it by suppressing your hypothalamic and pituitary function. You have to make a decision now if you're happy to be treated symptomatically using the pill, or do you want to get to the root cause of your hormonal imbalance and fix it? I spoke about this before, how I see women who never knew they had a gynecological condition until they started trying for a baby. And this is because they were put on the pill for bad periods as a fix. There were never any investigations done. And then years later, when trying for a baby, they discover, oh no, there's a problem. There's something wrong here. And with every woman that I've seen or spoken to in that situation, they always said, if I had only known, if I had only known that the pill was masking a problem that I didn't know I had, I never would have went on it. I would have fixed it. And it's quite unfair on women and men, couples who want to have children. It's very unfair that these problems are being masked by synthetic drugs as a fix when it's not a fix. Every woman has the right to know what's actually going on in their body. For me, I knew my hormones were being masked and I knew I wanted kids someday. So I came off the pill to fix the root problem for when the time came. For, or should I say, for when the time comes that I want a baby. But I had the knowledge and knowledge is power. So should you come off the pill? I don't know. It's completely up to you. But knowing what you know now, you can make a better informed decision for your body and for your mind, for your behavior, and even for your partner choice. You know now that it's not your own chemical messengers running the show, but synthetic ones. It's not your brain that's running the show. But then again, you're also safe from pregnancy. So it's choosing for you and what's best for you. It's weighing up the pros and the cons for you in whatever situation you are in right now. And whatever you choose, that's the best choice for you. Be it for contraceptive purposes, it could be the best choice for you to stay on it. It may not be. All depending on where you're at. 
for health reasons it may be the best choice for you to stay on it because you're being treated symptomatically and it's relieving symptoms then again it's not fixing them so maybe not but it's all where you are and it's all but it's all about where you are and with what you're comfortable with because again it's your body it's your choice and it's body autonomy so I hope I've answered some of the questions that a lot of people do ask when it comes to the pill being on it not being on it what it does to the system how it's reacting with us I know there is a lot of sciencey stuff in there and that can get a bit heady too at times but at the end of it I hope I've been able to give you some sort of clarity over what is best for you like I said I can't make the choice for you I can't tell you to come off it or to stay on it that is 100% your choice but having the knowledge around things is where you get your power from and I hope I've helped you make whatever choice that is for you so for now happy Friday and happy hormones <laughs>